The Holy Gospel, according to Matthew, the 13th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling up the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. And let us pray. Gracious God, send forth your Spirit by the power of your Word to create faith forgive sin, and to grow our love for you and for one another. Amen. Well, at our house, I have a problem. It's ants. Not in the house. My, my wife is good at taking care of those sorts of things. It's actually in the yard, okay? Ant hills as far as the eye. I could play golf in my front yard. That's how, that's how bad it is. And I've tried everything. I've tried the little granules that they take back to their colony and everybody dies. You know, I've tried those. Those have worked okay. I have a little electric uh, spray thing that it, I don't think it really works. It sprays some pesticide there. It just it makes me feel better. Uh, and then I, I tried the, the pesticide that you spread like seed, and that seemed to work. And then the anthills just came up again. It's like whack-a-mole. You take care of one, another one pops up. It's driving me nuts because I mow the lawn, I sit outside, I do whatever, and I, I'm looking at these stinking anthills, and it's, it's killing me, right? You spend all this time trying to take care of a yard, and you, the worst part of it is that my wife, and she is listening right now, uh, she spent quite a bit of time and money <clears throat> on flowers, beautiful flowers, gorgeous, and we have beautiful shrubs in the yard and flowering trees and a cherry tree, all these things I don't pay attention much to those things anymore, though, because all I see are the anthills. I think, okay, I've got to go take care of that one tomorrow. I got, oh, there's another one. That's all I see. These distractions that, that creep up, these annoyances to take my eyes off of the thing that's beautiful, the thing that's good in the yard, the thing that my wife has put love 
into. Well, those anthills are the weeds from our parable this morning. They crop up in order to undermine and distract us, to undermine and distract us from the promises of God, to even even rob us of God himself. These things that pop up. Before before, uh, the, the COVID season, for many of us, those weeds could have been anything. It could have been our bank balance. It could have been health concerns. It could have been a child in trouble. It could have, could have been ants. I, I don't know. And now we add to it pandemic, mask, no mask. Am I six feet apart? Do I need to pull out the tape measure to make sure? All of those things that come to us. And yet we hear in our gospel this morning, they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin. A better translation would be causes stumbling. Those things that make us to fall over, that distract us, that take our eyes off of what it is that we are supposed to be paying attention to, silencing our ears to the preacher who comes to us to tell us of the promises, to tell us of the hope, to tell us of of the good things. Because, for instance, in our gospel, it starts out good in the parable. Jesus always starts out with grace, if you notice. Because how does he start this one out? He says, well, the kingdom of God is like, and then he tells a story of this man who sows good seed in his field. And then it goes wrong when someone else comes along. But we have to start with the parable of noticing that the field belongs to who? To God. The seed is whose? God's. And oh, by the way, it's you. Because he tells us, the children of God, the harvesters are doing God's will, working for him, obeying what it is that he calls for them to do. And then something gets thrown into the mix to cause some issues. The enemy, the evil one, whatever you want to term it as, has to sneak in and spread something else that wasn't there before, to cause some issues, to make us forget about whose field it is, whose seed it is, who's the one that's doing the sowing, Christ. I remember a few weeks ago, Chris Cuomo on CNN, you know, he, he, uh, he got the virus, and he did all the quarantining, the two weeks, all that stuff, got the clean bill of health, and he gets on and says, yep, so I'm good now, I'm, I'm clean, I... I, I I don't have the symptoms anymore. The doctors say I'm okay. But then he had to say, but doesn't mean I won't get it again. Doesn't mean I won't get sick again. And I wanted to climb through the screen and go, Chris, you're healed. You've been healed. Yes. Will you get sick again? More than likely. You could go out tomorrow and a mosquito could bite you and you get malaria. You could walk across the street and get hit by a bus. There's a lot of things that could happen. But right now, in this moment, hope has come to you. Grace has come to you to heal you. How often is that us? Something comes to us to rob us of the promise and grace of God. The mercy that we need. And the worst part about it is that it actually looks like wheat. Thing called sasania. It's, a, it's like a darnel type thing. It, it, I believe it was poisonous, dangerous. It was something that was very hard to distinguish between, between it and, and, and wheat. 
which could be a problem, right, when you think about it, if you're trying to get rid of it, because how many of us want to get the weeds out of our garden? It could be a problem if we can't tell the difference. I can't, so I'm not allowed near the garden. <laughs> but what we also notice is that part of the reason why it looks like the wheat is because this was done on purpose. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't just stuff that was blowing in from somebody else's field. Someone came in and sowed this so that it might ruin our day, cause some issues. Well, part of that problem, then, is that we can stumble, because remember, these are things that cause stumbling, because we'll think the weeds are wheat. It's there to cause us to think that the weeds are actually the will of God and not the wheat itself, that the weeds are actually the promise of God, not the wheat Itself. And the good news is for us as Lutherans is we have words for this because we look at the scriptures and it tells us that the scriptures come to us, the word of God comes to us with two words, law and gospel, right? I'm going back to confirmation for some of you, which for some of you that could have been yesterday, others a little bit farther down the road. Commands and promises, demands and gift comes to us first as a word that says do this and then Christ comes to us and says it's already done right gospel versus law how often is it is though that we get stuck in our minds because of the weeds that the gospel is actually law I can remember bible study with my men at my my former parish and I asked well tell me what the gospel is and one of them piped up and said well love God and love your neighbor well it became a tagline for us so how's that going for you Loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, body. That's part of the reason why we have confession and absolution usually, right? Because we need that. And then love your neighbor. And I can remember someone going, oh, you know, we try to do the best we can there. And I say, yeah, so tell me, what do you think of Donald Trump? Oh, that caused some issues. But then the same God comes to us and says, well, love God love your neighbor, and we go, oh, I think I, okay, maybe I can't do that that well. But then the gospel comes to us and says, Jesus loved God for us, loved our neighbors for us, when we can't. That's good news for us. Another problem with our stumbling is that many of us are very, shall I say, proactive, type A. We see the weeds and we want to just burn it all down, right? Like my, like my daughter, if there's a spider in the bathroom, she just wants to torch the entire house and move. <laughs> well, look at our country today, how polarized we are. Well, you have to believe this. You have to talk like this. You have to dress like this. You have to be just like this. Your friends have to look this way. God forbid if you look like this over here. And then I sit here as someone who kind of waffles in that gray area between one side and the other. And I kind of just go, well, I'm homeless. But how often that has become for us of polarizing one direction or another. Or do you want me to talk about the church? How many of us have been in a church environment in which the decision has been made, oh, we're going to be a pure church. We're going to be the perfect church. We're going to kick out all the people that don't fit in to what it is that we think the church should look like. We need to weed out all those bad weeds. And then what ends up happening? Well, Christ tells us often the people that get hurt the most aren't the ones we were going after in the first place. 
the ones that Jesus Christ died for. And lastly, we stumble out in, in our impatience because we see evil, we, we see hardship, we see pain, we see suffering, and we want to take care of it. And then what does Christ come to tell us about that evil in our scriptures this morning? He says, leave it be. Let it be. We don't like that. What makes it even worse is that that verb, the best way to translate it is actually forgive them. That same verb is the verb that is used when we talk about forgiving sin forgiving your neighbor, forgiving your brother or sister. We're the type of culture that tends to like a pound of flesh, don't we? Vengeance, retributive justice. If my brother hit me, I just hit him back, right? And then yet Christ is the one who from the cross, surrounded by the people, spitting vile things at him, who've just condemned him there, put the nails in his hands, and he looks down on them in love and says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. And the same Christ comes to us and tells us, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's the most difficult part about the kingdom of God, is that it's not our kingdom, and we have to give God thanks for that because we need him to do this work in us. And that's why the cross matters. It's why the good news matters. Because when Christ tells us, forgive it, let it be, leave it be, he doesn't just stop there because what he shows is that then all those things that cause us stumbling, the the enemy, the the weeds, sin, death, COVID-19, you pick it, it does not have power in the kingdom of God because he shows that in the end, the destination is not to remain. Those causes of stumbling are bundled up and burned away and we're left with the promise giver, with the good news. All that disturbs us, distracts us, causes us to forget the promise. Christ leaves us with that one word of forgive it because he's saying what I have is more powerful than anything those weeds can offer you. Because how often it is that we need to hear those words from Christ that come from our own scriptures that say things like, you are mine, I've called you by name. Neither do I condemn you. I am the Lord your God who brought you out. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Well, let's quickly go back to Jacob. I love Jacob. You know, his name means liar, right? His daddy's name was Big Daddy, and he was named that before he had any children, and he only had two sons. His son's name, Isaac, chuckles. Why? Because Sarah laughed. And then we have Jacob, who's called liar or cheater. And this Jacob, some of you probably remember the story, he is impacted more than a large percentage of people in Scripture by his own sin and the sin of people around him. His own brother treats what should be the inheritance for the firstborn son as just a bowl of lentils. He shows up and says, well, I'm hungry. Jacob says, well, give me your birthright. He says, okay, yeah, I'll take a bowl of lentils over my birthright. 
And then his own mother says, well, I want you to get the blessing of the firstborn, so we're going to play a little game with daddy who's blind. She helps him cheat, and he goes along with it, and now he finds himself as a fugitive. He thought he was going to be getting the promises. He thought that, that the promises of his mom were going to overshadow anything else, and he finds himself alone in the middle of nowhere, and all he has to his name is a stone for a pillow. And you can imagine of anyone else in the scriptures, who other than Jacob would ask, have the promises of God failed me? He's been ripped out of the land that was told to be the place of the promise. He's been ripped away from his family. He's been told to go to a family that he barely knows. And yet, This is what God says. I don't know if you heard it when Roxy read it. I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. And oh, by the way, later on, gets added, and the God of Jacob. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west, to the east, and to the north, and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you. And will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. There in the midst of the weeds, in the midst of the anthills, Jacob finds himself, and a voice comes to him to speak, to say, I am with you. You are mine. Even though your sins have brought you to the fact that all you have is a stone for a pillow, that can't remove you from me. And that is the good news of this kingdom. That is why we always have to start with the sower and the field and the seed and us being the children of God. That's the whole reason why church matters. It's the whole reason why preaching matters. It's the reason why the scriptures matter. It's the reason why all of that matters because everything else is going to tell us something else. And we need to have Christ speak to us to give that word in our ear. Not only do I forgive you, but you are mine. And with that, we say thanks be to God. Amen.